Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by Grassroots Pharmacy. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. We got to talk about EJ Montgomery's decision. A couple guys returning to the SEC next year. Um, A piece that Kyle has coming out um, on an NBA coach that has Kentucky ties. And um, a little bit about um, John Calipari's golf game or lack thereof. Uh, But let's start out, Kyle. Since we've talked, the kind of biggest news has been the fact that Tony Delk talked to Jerry Tipton of the Lexington Herald Leader, and let me get the quote he said of E.J. Montgomery, who he's kind of mentoring and working out with because they're both Georgia guys. This is a quote from Delk. I think he's staying in just from from what I've been hearing. He's already had a couple of workouts with teams, so I guess he's got some good reports from GMs. Yeah, I uh, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, I I still feel like it would be an up, a huge upset if EJ is in the first round. Um, I've heard no one <laughs> that I respect on sort of the the draft on the draft guru beat um, predicting anything like that. Uh, I think Jonathan Gavoni is has said pretty plainly that he thinks EJ and Nick should both come back to school. And he's very plugged into a lot of the GMs uh, and scouts. Um, <clears throat> so I assume it's more of, hey, you, you're actually going to get drafted at all because he's not he's not been projected to get picked at all. Um, so I assume if he stays in that maybe someone is saying, hey, look, if you're there when we pick at the end of the second round, we'll take you. And, or if not, we're going to sign you and put you on, you know, give you a two-way contract because there there is some of that happening now where guys who don't even get drafted are getting full contracts uh, or at least two-way contracts where they can make a decent wage. Um, so I suppose he's, there's maybe some of that. But, you know, we've talked many times. I don't like to tell guys what to do. I don't like to criticize their decisions because I don't know their situations. But I do sort of know EJ's family situation, and I think they're – kind of in an okay financial standing and so in his case it feels to me like he hasn't you know there really is a huge opportunity to make a lot of money a year from now um i just think he could be a a huge piece for kentucky when he comes back and featured a lot more and show off a lot more of his game um whereas i'm sure he's doing some of that in these workouts but they're just workouts when you do that against high level competition your stock rises uh, quite a bit more. So I, it'll be really interesting to see. I, my other thought on this whole deal is, uh, and I like Tony Duck a lot. I've talked to him. He's he's great to deal with. Uh, very sharp guy, obviously, for Kentucky fans, a beloved figure. But it feels a little odd to me, you know, for him to be, you know, EJ to have sought him out in some way to, be a, to help him work out and, you know, kind of give him advice or whatever. And then for him to turn around and sort of talk, about EJ's business, how <laughs> to talk out of school, I guess I would call it. I, I thought that was a little bit strange. I was a little surprised to see that. Basically, 
Tony Delk, if it happens to be that EJ stays in the draft, Tony Delk is basically uh, giving away his his business ahead of time. So do you think the other theory is that this is all just a big kind of okie doke and they see they're purposely leaking this information out so he can just be joyously praised when he comes back and Kentucky fans can rejoice kind of like when a recruitment happens <laughs> and all of a sudden on the message boards it's all like, well, I wouldn't count out this school. I'm hearing that he's going this way. And then boom, Kevin Knox picks Kentucky on Derby yeah. Day. Yeah, or, you know, the, the reverse for Kentucky on Jane McDaniels. Uh could be. I mean, it'd be a brilliant strategy. If I mean, if I was a, if I was like a sort of a mid, if I'd had sort of a middling uh, McDonald's All American who had kind of a middling freshman season, and I was testing the draft waters, I would, you know, and I knew I probably was coming back, and I, you know, and I wanted to change the narrative about myself. I would absolutely do that. I would put it out there. I would leak it out there as many ways as I could. Like, oh yeah, he could really leave, because that's exactly what happens when it, when when people feel like somebody is seriously on the edge of leaving and they get mad and worked up about it. And how can he do this? And then he doesn't leave. Then he go, the, the flitch, the switch flips immediately to, you know, beloved again. Like he chose us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a big part of why PJ Washington left Kentucky as a hero um, because he came back and he took it to the 11th hour. Just like it looks like this is going to be. And by the way, this is going to be three, consecutive years where i assume we're going to go very close to midnight on well, and day the the other part that like i kind of when i was reading um jerry's kind of write-up on this uh delk also mentioned the fact that there was a big pro day on tuesday so probably as you're listening to this we're recording on monday night um uh, put on by one of the marketing and media groups out in LA, I believe. Uh, EJ will be participating in that. So I don't know who all else is involved in that, but I'm guessing a lot of decisions are going to come down to the wire because they want to get all the information that they can. And I completely understand that portion of it, Kyle. I don't really kind of get, you know, mad at somebody for why you're taking it all the way down to the wire. Well, why wouldn't you exhaust every information channel you have? I, I kind of understand that to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be another uh, for for both fans and the media who have to you know figure out what's going on with this team. It's going to be uh, potentially another agonizing uh, deadline night. The Hamadou Diallo well, that decision. The, Hamadou Diallo literally went to like to the the final seconds. It was like eleven fifty nine. Yep. Uh, when when his uh, decision came down, and then last year there were two of them. Um, PJ, I think, announced like in the early evening. At least did us that favor. But Jared Vanderbilt went until nine or ten o'clock that night. Um, and so this will be. It looks like this will be three years in a row. I, I assume at this point, I kind of assume Nick Richards is coming back, but it's. A little strange that he hasn't. He still hasn't said anything. If he's planning to come back, maybe he's doing the the deal we just talked about. Um, uh, certainly, if EJ leaves and he comes back, then Nick will be Nick's Nick's value in people's in fans' eyes will go uh, much higher. I would think because I mean, if EJ leaves, they are in some fairly precarious territory with their front court, and if EJ and Nick both left, they would be borderline screwed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'd have to really play small ball or just go 
knock down doors looking for a grad transfer and or uh, reclassification. Well, I think we should probably just save all that speculation. Until yeah. The well, decisions are made, but the other, the third decision, obviously of deadline day is, is Carrie Blackshear uh, junior, because he will either stay in the draft or likely do a grad transfer from Virginia tech to somewhere else. And I would put Kentucky pretty high on the list of places he can end up if he withdraws from the NBA draft before Wednesday at midnight. The last thing I want to say on Montgomery is like I've always you've you've chastised me. You said, why do you think both of those guys would end up coming back? And I just was doing logical sense, which sometimes you shouldn't do. But I went back and read Montgomery's statement um, from when he announced that he was going to test the waters. He said, my goal is to be a first rounder. If the information I receive supports that, my plan is to stay in the draft and pursue my dreams of playing in the NBA. He didn't get invited to the combine, and that's 60 prospects. So first round, as you just kind of laid out, Kyle, seems to be way, like, I don't even know. It might not be even, it's not on the table. It's probably not even in the kitchen to be put on the table at this point. Like, it's it's way far off. So that portion of it isn't, I don't, like, there's, it's not going to happen. So he, he's not going to get that portion of what he wanted if he stays in the draft. So. Or, like, maybe... Maybe some, maybe you know, somebody's really into him and doesn't want anybody to know. I mean, somebody took Daniel Orton in the first round. Yeah, but we've, I mean, and we talked about this a little bit. The NBA's changed. Orton was still a commodity because he was, he could, he could walk and was over, you know, over six ten. And at that well, point in the NBA, yeah. that was still there was still tons of value there. Well, now, now it's EJ more about wings. I mean, EJ Montgomery is a is a. Is what the NBA wants now. I mean, well, we didn't well, see a lot of it at Kentucky, but in theory, that's what he could be. Well, He's that's a, what that's what a it's 6'10 all. Six ten guy who can shoot the ball and handle the ball. Yeah, but that's all in theory, right? <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, I, the, the thing is, you know, different situations, but somewhat similar to Tyler Hero. And I've talked a bunch about everyone that I talked to about Hero, and you know, during the year, whether or not he really would end up a one and done was like, if he works out, he's going to dazzle teams because he's just great in that setting. I've watched EJ Montgomery before he even came to Kentucky. I, I went down and watched him work out and humble break and, and in a workout setting. I'm telling you like EJ Montgomery on a good day could absolutely dazzle some people because he is a six ten dude who's when he's, you know, not in the pressure of the game or whatever, or has a chance to get in a flow because he didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of continuity in the Kentucky lineup. I mean, he can look great out there, and so who knows what we what he's showing people. You know, he probably got with a trainer after the season and started preparing himself for this, you know, combine workout, whatever experience. Um, and it's probably, I would guess that at least one time in this, however many teams he's worked out for, he's really impressed them. Darko Milicic was also impressive in workouts. You got to show him. You gotta I'm show. not saying that's a. I'm not saying it's a wise way to to like just discount the body of work in the actual season and say he's a great workout guy and let me take him, but well, it happened. And he also, if I want to if I want to poke holes through the Daniel Orton situation, and this is not a knock against Reed Travis or P.J. Washington, but Orton was sitting behind DeMarcus Cousins and Patrick Patterson, who are both better college players and better pro players. players. So, I mean, it, you know, E.J. wasn't going up against two guys who had decade-long NBA careers in front of him. I mean, he's going to have P.J. Washington, who I think will have a good NBA career and will be kind of a journeyman-esque guy, and Reed Travis might get a shot, but there's no guarantee. So, 
The, I like I I think that that comparison is is fine on the surface, but I feel feel like there's a lot of a lot of things that it doesn't all the way fill out. But we'll we'll talk about all those things once we know for sure. Um, coming up next, uh, I want to talk about John Calipari's golf game or lack thereof, and some SEC players. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about Grassroots Pharmacy, which is a locally owned independent pharmacy looking to change your idea of what a pharmacy is supposed to be. They place a strong focus on nutrition and supplementation and alternative therapies like CBD oil. Their pharmacists know there's nothing more important than than your family's well-being. They will take the time to get to know you and explain your medication and answer questions you may have. They accept most insurance plans, including Medicare. They're located at 2304 Sir Barton Way in the Hamburg Pavilion. They're on the parking lot side of the Regal Cinema. They're open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday. You can check out more information at grassrootspharmacy.com or give them a call 859-263-1382. Check out grassrootspharmacy.com. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Kyle, do you want to make the announcement? Uh, what announcement? We've been texting about this all weekend. Oh, about our live show that we're going to do a live episode at Grassroots Pharmacy? Yes, there you go. That's the announcement, folks. We are going to do a live episode of the podcast at Grassroots Pharmacy next week on Wednesday. Yep. We will have a ton more information on the social media feeds, so stay tuned for that. But hopefully we will see you all the, all, uh, all out there um, the first week of June. Um, Kyle, I don't know if you've gotten to see this yet, but John Calipari, and actually Brad Calipari as well, they are their athletic pro- prowess have been called into question. After and they it, got dominated in mini golf by Ellen Calipari. Brad Calipari tweeted out, "My dad and I just got dominated by my mom in mini golf." Dot dot dot. How do you think this will play on the recruiting trail? <laughs> uh, it really caught me off guard. Uh, I think it'll be a devastating blow. Strike another one for uh, Mike Shashevsky and Penny Hardway. I heard Penny. Maybe Alan Calipari is a double agent. <laughs> I heard Penny can like really put uh, putt. Like he he doesn't mess up the windmill at all. He goes straight through, like automatic. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. that's uh, that's about all I got to say about mini golf. One guy is going pro. Simi Shitu from Vanderbilt announced. Uh, I guess it was either Friday or Saturday that he is staying in the draft. Um, freshman season, he was very highly rated coming into the year. Obviously, Vandy lost their best player in Darius Carlin, who also is staying in the draft. Kyle, I'm trying to remember, did you like Simi? Um, or did you even get to see him? Because I feel like injury derailed most of our chances to get a real good look at him. Uh, I liked him coming out of high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was a really good player. I uh, did not like him at Vanderbilt. Uh, the sense I got from some folks was just that he was maybe didn't have the best attitude while he was there, and, and probably some of that was frustration boiling over because he thought he was playing on a team with Darius Garland, and they're a much different team with Darius Garland. 
and I think anybody would get frustrated in the middle of a 20-game losing streak, which is what Vanderbilt finished last season on. Uh, but he, I think by any measure, had a disappointing year. Um, yes. And is not going to get drafted. And so I, but, I don't Well, I don't know. He was at the combine. Like he was doing the whatever. He was a top 60 guy. He was playing in games. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to predict he doesn't get drafted. Or if he does, it's down in the 50s. So, I mean, like I said, I I try not to I try not to tell anybody what to do, but in this decision-making process, but I I don't see I don't see where he's set up to be uh successful in the long term by making this jump after a really subpar year and some, you know, some attitude questions and things like that. I don't, I don't see it personally. Well, I mean, yeah. And it's, you know, if you were in theory going to get coached by a guy who's been in the NBA for, as a player and a coach for a long time now in Jerry Stackhouse, you would kind of think, Hey, maybe that'll help me. But I do understand to your point, like not questioning a decision, having to play for a coach that didn't recruit you to a school is always a, a kind of a tricky situation. And if someone can kind of say, yeah, we'd like to get you in our NBA system, I can't fault him too, too much. Um, two guys that are coming back are going back to LSU and Will Wade. Marlon Taylor and Skylar Mays are both returning. Um, so LSU will once again, uh, We I think we mentioned it on the podcast, they got a big, they got a five-star commitment from uh, Watford. And so they're going to have talent again next year, Kyle. Obviously, it won't be the same amount of talent as they had last year when they won the regular season conference um, championship. But you know, they're going to be a talented team, but they're going to be a story even more than maybe on the basketball court once again. Yeah, I you know, we'll see. We'll see if Will Wade is actually still the coach when the season starts. Yeah. But they have a few pieces. There's a, you know, a handful of other things. Uh, of of some note to Kentucky fans, Marcus Bolden, uh, who is the epitome of your theory that if you're the last five star to commit, that you become a much bigger deal than you really are, because everybody, you know, you're you're the last you know coveted piece on the board. Can I uh, quickly uh, just throw out there before it gets stolen? Um, because I've talked about it with people on like non-public forums. This is I have two theorems now that I'm like going full blast on in recruiting. One is, as Kyle just laid out, and as we talked about with Jaden McDonald, if you're the last five-star, everybody's going to hype you up a little bit. I understand that. My other theorem I have named the Tiger Campbell theorem, and it's if you have ridiculous or awesome or ridiculously awesome hair, you'll get like a star bump automatically. <laughs> if you all yeah. know, Tiger Campbell was like a point guard. Um, his sophomore year, he got like a ton of press. He was going to go all over the place. He was like a five-star. I think he ended up at DePaul. Right, if I'm remembering right, I, I think was, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and like he kind of has had. I think he's had a good college career, but he was going to be the next star point guard, and it never came to fruition. And I think, in large part, that was because of monster hair. I think hair, Brian. I think, the I think combination Brian, of hair and name. Yeah, I think Brian Bowen had both of those things going as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a solid theory, but Bolden was kentucky fans will remember was kind of the last guy on the board and it was down to them and duke for him three years ago i guess uh and everybody was so disappointed they didn't get him he he had a i mean i guess in some ways a little bit similar to semi shit to had a, a just i think a really generally disappointing uh duke career a three-year career i guess uh, and he also is uh, he was testing the waters and he has decided he is staying in 
the NBA draft. Um, uh, Javin Delorier is coming back to Duke, though. Um, and then the other so, sort of uh, periphery Kentucky-type thing, R.J. Hampton, who is the guy, the top five player guard, who I think if he'd stayed in his 2020 class would have been a real favorite to get. Uh, but they don't really need any help in the backcourt, so they were cut from his final list, and that list is now Kansas, Memphis, and Texas Tech, and he is making his college decision tomorrow. Uh, Jeff Goodman tweets, there is a fourth option, and this is one I've also heard, and that is overseas, and that Jeff Goodman says that's the one I am picking for Hampton. So um, he's either going to Kansas, Memphis, Texas Tech, or playing, I think, in China as the the destination I've heard, um, go make some money before you can go to the NBA. If one of those schools gets him, though, a huge boost. I mean, Kansas, I think, would be in terrific shape if they got him. They could use a guy uh, at point guard. Memphis would, I don't, I mean, how many more five-star guys can Memphis take in one class? Uh, Or just guys in general. I think they already have seven freshmen and a grad transfer coming in. Uh, but they are still in the R.J. Hampton sweepstakes. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. on t- I said tomorrow, but we're recording it late uh, Monday night. So Tuesday is when that decision's coming down. We'll discuss that and what happens with that. You mentioned Kansas. They also got some positive news. Since we've talked last, Sylvia D'Souza was cleared to play next season, even though his guardian received $2,500 from a university booster and agent for him to sign with Kansas. Uh, there has been a lot written about that. It's a really interesting case. Uh, we're going to probably, uh, we've talked about diving into this this trial a little bit deeper. Uh, once we get the whole class thing, um, who's staying and who's going and all those things shorted out, we will, we will do that this summer. Um, coming up next, Kyle has an awesome piece that I mentioned. I have a Twitter thing, and actually two Twitter things, and one of the Twitter things involve a person I hate getting completely, completely dunked on. But before that, I do want to tell you guys, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Remember... To get this show every day, subscribe to Locked on Kentucky on the new Himalaya podcasting app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download the Himalaya app at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Was Rex Chapman blocked or charged on Twitter? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I'm surprised it took that long for someone to crack down on all of his uh, all of his video tweeting. Uh, appro- I guess appropriating other people's tweets. That is a very like nice way to put that. That's why you're the writer, <laughs> bud. Kind of nice, nice. Um, I'm, I was, I'm about to ask: Is it uncomfortable to record a podcast while you're sitting on a fence? <laughs> Uh, what, what, how am I sitting on a fence? I mean, are you, are you, who, whose side are you on Twitter or Rex's? You got to pick a side. Oh, I'm not, I I don't think, I don't think people should be, uh, uh, smacked down upon for, uh, sharing video clips that I think it's outrageous. I mean, uh, 
Yeah. Well, I, we I, don't, to be fair, we don't really know what happened all the way, and I don't see any public comment at this point. No, yet. I mean, I assume that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless Rex did something offensive that I haven't seen. It's not like Rex never has done that. Uh, like, uh, aside from the, the copyright, whatever, the only issue I have with Rex's thing, and it's like feels like it's become increasingly so lately, uh, is uh, there are way too many vi- videos where I need some confirmation that people haven't died yeah. in the videos. Uh, and there was one recently where uh, somebody got like run over by a motorcycle, I think, or oh wow, and went flying in through the air. And it, I'm just thinking, like, how do we possibly know this person is not dead? And those make me super uncomfortable. I'm not like squeamish. I just would rather know for sure that when I'm watching something to get a laugh out of it, that somebody didn't get, you know, killed or paralyzed. So there may be, I mean, some of it may just be that it's like extremely violent content. Maybe. Uh, But I don't know. I, I, but in terms of the video stuff, like I, you know, Scott Charlton who tweeted all the, you know, highlight videos of Kentucky games and Kentucky players in the NBA and some other things, some other accounts that have gotten suspended like that. And I, I had a, I tweeted my own video from the from press row, a, a five second clip of a, a shot that's like a grainy from a distance shot of a game winning play at the SEC basketball tournament, and it was taken down by Exos, which rules all sports video on the planet apparently within minutes. Which I think that kind of stuff I find completely outrageous. Well, I reported you. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's like I'm not live streaming it. I'm not like competing with your broadcast this is like a crappy fan fans eye view type you know i mean it's basically from the stands type video uh stuff like that and people people sharing like a five second clip of something viral from the television to me like as leagues and like you know the sec and the nba and all these leagues they shouldn't want that it helps the growth of your product that people are sharing cool things that are happening. Speaking oh. of cool things that happened on the internet, Mick Cronin got, um, you know, absolutely crushed by the Xavier basketball account. Uh, Mickey boy went on, uh, pardon my take, uh, podcast, which is apparently recorded in the back of a van. And it's two guys that like to have some fun, uh, and they ask silly questions. And one of the questions was basically, would you want to play Xavier at your new job at UCLA? Obviously, there was that famous brawl between UC and Xavier. And Mickey said, I don't know if I'd get out alive. It was joking. There were giggles. But the Xavier basketball account quote tweeted that and said, come on, Coach Mick Cronin. You don't ever have to worry about your safety at the CentOS Center. Security here is top-notch. Look how fast they responded when an opposing coach charged at a student-athlete. And a chat attached was the video of Mick Cronin trying to beat up J.P. McCurra uh, during that brawl. Yeah, that was pretty excellent. Yes. I, was, uh, I was impressed with the smackdown of Mick Cronin. I always like when Mick Cronin gets put in his place. You and I are on the same page about feeling like Mick Cronin is kind of a a uh, fake tough guy, kind of a um, what's a word we can use on the podcast? Um, I call him um, my, my my kind of nickname is Baby Man. 
<laughs> he's kind of a baby man, kind of a little guy with a little baby head. And he doesn't he need act- a he doesn't need the baby filter. That's just his and he, face. And he acts like a little baby all the time. Yep. And he makes a big show of you know strutting around and putting his chest out and like get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, dude. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm low on that hire at UCLA. I, I think they could have done a lot better or should have done better. I don't know about could have because they didn't. He was their fourth or fifth choice, but uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing Mick Cronin get dunked on. Kyle, you have a fun piece that's coming out. Um, can you share a little bit and let people know where they can find it? Yeah, hopefully by the time people are listening to this, if they're listening to it on Tuesday, um, they will be able to see it at The Athletic. I think it publishes Tuesday morning. Um, Frank Vogel is the new coach of the Los Angeles excuse me, Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, kind of a high profile gig. And, uh, he's a Kentucky dude. Um, you know, I think a lot of people sort of know that, but I don't know how much people know or remember of his sort of the story. And so I wanted to kind of write the Frank Vogel college years story. And it's, to me, it's really a a remarkable story. Uh, he was a guy who was playing D three ball in a school called like Juniata. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, in Pennsylvania, he's from New Jersey, um, and you know he was still playing D three college ball, but he just, he really wanted to be a coach. He was an admirer of Rick Pitino and Jim O'Brien, his assistant coach. Uh, he'd written to Pitino a bunch of letters saying like, you know, can I walk on? Can I be a manager? Can I be a part of your program somehow? Uh, never heard anything from him, so he basically orchestrated a bump in with Rick Pitino and Jim O'Brien at the five star camp uh, in New York. And basically gave that same spiel, like, can I be a walk-on? No, we don't need that. Can I be a manager? No, we're filled up. We always have hundreds of people that want to be our managers under Bill Kitely at the time. Um, you know, basically, thanks, but no thanks. Um, a, a pretty thorough rejection. But uh, as one of the former managers who worked with him at the time, uh, Vogel at the time at Kentucky tells it now, the mistake Rick Pitino and Jim O'Brien made that day was, to say, uh, but if you're ever in Lexington, stop. feel free to stop by and say hello. And so Frank Vogel, being a tenacious young man, took that caveat as, as I'm going to pack all my stuff up in my Ford Fiesta, uh, leave my Division three basketball program that I'm playing for, and drive to Kentucky and enroll at UK and show up at the basketball office and tell them I'm here because they said if I was ever in town – Stop by. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, and he drove to Lexington from New Jersey with all his possessions in that Ford Fiesta, not having enrolled in school, not having found a place to live, and not having any guarantee that anyone with UK was even going to see him, much less give him a job, uh, and showed up every day until Bill Kitely did give him a job as a manager. Uh, and he worked his way up, and he eventually became a video coordinator by sort of lying and bluffing that he knew the new video editing system that Kentucky had bought uh, for the 96 National Championship season. Uh, he, and he taught himself how to use it so he could teach the staff how to use it and became an in, indispensable part of Kentucky's staff and also at one point became the point guard of the random brief junior varsity team that Rick Pitino started essentially to get Nas Muhammad, Nazir Muhammad to uh, lose weight because, you know, everyone knows the the story that he showed up 300-some pounds and 
Patino whipped him into shape, and, and so he was able to play the next year. He basically created the JV team. And Frank Vogel, uh, the student manager slash assistant video coordinator, became slash starting point guard of the junior varsity team. Uh, and so, you know, on a whim, he comes down here, becomes a huge integral part of the kind of everything the program did and became so valuable uh, to that coaching staff that when uh, Patino and O'Brien left to go to the Boston Celtics after the 97 season, they took Frank Vogel with them as their video coordinator. And, you know, the rest, of course, is history. He, he worked for Rick, and then he worked uh, when O'Brien replaced Patino as the coach of the Celtics. He became a full-time assistant uh, and then followed O'Brien to Philadelphia and then to Indiana, and that's where he got his first head coaching opportunity with the Indiana Pacers when he replaced uh, O'Brien. And so now, all these years later, the guy who just showed up in Lexington begging for a student manager job is the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's 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 kind of crazy. So the, the story is a lot of that and a lot of just people, Cameron Mills, Scott Padgett, a couple of the former uh, managers who worked with Frank Vogel, kind of telling stories about his time here in Lexington. He certainly is uh, one of Kentucky's own. And, I mean, everyone remembers the quote from Rick Pitino. Larry Bird isn't walking through that door. Kevin McHale isn't walking through that door. But Frank Vogel and his video machine is. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Kentucky. Thanks again to Grassroots Pharmacy for sponsoring this edition of the show. Mark your calendars. Wednesday. That is June the 5th. We will have a time for you very, very soon. Um, we would love to get, see everybody out there and shake your hand, and Kyle will give you a big hug. Kyle, where can people follow you online so they get a link to that Frank Vogel story? At Kyle Tucker underscore ATH and at theathletic.com. I'm at Curtis Birch. B-U-R-C-H, you can hear me weeknights, 6 to 8 p.m. on W-L-A-P. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Please, please share this with somebody else who would enjoy. That's the best way to spread the word about this podcast. And go check out the Himalaya app as well. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. They're located at 2304 Sir Barton Way in the Hamburg Pavilion. They're at the four-way stop next to the Best Buy on the parking lot side of the Regal Cinema. Cinema. They're open from 8 p.m., 8 a.m. Let me just...